I'm really glad you have joined me for my new podcast series. Uh, And I'm going to begin with a story about a woman named Jean. Actually, I'm going to tell you a series of vignettes about Jean, um, which I think will make sense the more that you hear. You'll begin to see the thread in all of these vignettes. Um, And I would have Jean tell the story herself, which is really what I want to do with human turning points. But Jean is no longer on this planet, but I knew her personally, and I think her story's worth telling. So uh, again, glad you joined me for the first episode, and here we go. I'm going to begin Jean's story about the age of eight years old, and this goes back to the year 1912. Now, Jean was part of a very large um, Irish-Scottish family. They didn't have a lot of money, but I'm told they had a lot of love in the family. And they lived in a house that their father had built, and they lived near a lake. Now, the state of Michigan, as any of you know who live here, is very, very cold in the wintertime. So all of the kids liked winter sports a lot. And because they lived next to a lake they would go sledding quite a bit, ice skating and sledding. And on this day, uh, Jean went sledding with her big brother, whom she adored, and one of the younger siblings. Uh, But sadly, this was not a typical day, and the ice broke. And two of the children went under the ice immediately, and sadly, they drowned. And if you think about the time period, 1912, their clothing was probably all wool, and very heavy, and that would have contributed to, the, contributed to them sinking really quickly, which is terribly sad. Now, I don't know how this happened, but I know that the sled didn't go under, so I don't know if it was still on the ice, on the part that hadn't broken through, or if it just hadn't sunk. I don't. It had to have been on the ice, but what I do know is that Jean hung onto the sled for dear life and started screaming and screaming and screaming. Now again, she was eight years old, not very big, um, and you know, probably feeling frozen. Imagine the temperature of that water. Um, But she screamed and screamed and screamed for what seemed like an eternity until some townspeople heard her screaming. And they came and they rescued her. And of course, eventually, uh, sadly, the children who had drowned were recovered from the lake as well. But that was a a first turning point for Jean, because when you go through something like that at a young age, you become one of two things. You become very afraid or you become fearless because you've survived something that you, you know, that you never saw coming um, that was terrifying, but you survived. Um, And in Jean's case, she, in many cases, became fearless. And you will hear that theme uh, throughout these vignettes that I, that I share about her. Now, At some point, let's see, she would have been, I think she said eighth grade, she dropped out of school. So she never finished high school. And I don't know the reasons for that. But again, if you think about the time period, it could have been one or two things. Could have been that knowing her, knowing her personality, maybe she just didn't like school. She'd had enough of school. Um, But it could have also been that, you know, in a large family, there are a lot of chores Women didn't have the same options. It was not considered as necessary for a woman to get a higher education. So 
it may have been that she dropped out out of necessity. And like I said, I never got the full story on that. Um, but she dropped out in eighth grade. And then at some point in her teens, she decided she'd had enough of this little town in Michigan too. So she left. And I can only assume that was by train. I, I don't know for sure, but probably by train. And she left for Chicago. And when she got to Chicago, she got a job as a maid working for a very wealthy family. Uh, and it turns out the wife in this family um, was very kind to her, taught her the social graces, um, taught her about interior design and architecture and all the things that, you know, of course, Jean was observing anyway. She was a creative person and she observed everything about the place where this family lived. And they were uh, in the railroad business. So the woman who was kind to her was the wife of a railroad magnate in Chicago. Um, Jean tells a story or told a story that stuck with her too. For her being fearless, she did have some insecurities. And at some point in her life, after she was an adult, years later, she ran into this woman again at a department store. And by this time, uh, Jean was in a very different place in her life uh, and was doing pretty well herself. And this woman was not kind to her. After all the kindnesses that she had shown, um, the woman was rude to her, uh, acted like she barely knew her, almost as if she was, you know, trash. And, um, and I, I know from what Jean described that hurt her badly as if, you know, it was one thing to teach her those things, but to see that Jean put them into practice and ended up having a much better life. Uh, I don't know if this woman had insecurities or what, but she, she certainly unleashed them on Jean and that was just a terrible thing to do. But, you know, people do things like that. Um, but back to her going to Chicago. So at some point she was ice skating somewhere in, in Chicago, lots of places to do that in the winter. And there was a handsome young man across the way who was the son of German immigrants. And he had recently graduated from Northwestern University, which was a big deal, you know, for anybody to go to college. Not as many people went to college then, but he had graduated from Northwestern. And uh, Jean said, oh, the story is that he looked across the way, saw this pretty young woman, Jean, and said to his friend, I'm going to marry her. And of course, he'd never met her. But uh, sure enough, they did start dating and they did get married. And soon after, they had a daughter. Now, Walter um, was a very bright man and um, worked for, he was in sales of some kind, in some kind of early, I don't think they would have called it technology then, but early technology, like a, a precursor to an IBM sort of company. And uh, his job ended up uh, requiring travel, and they ended up moving to San Antonio, Texas, of all places. And at some point while they were living in San Antonio, Jean suspected that her husband was uh, having an affair, um, that he was a philanderer. And he had gone on a business trip from San Antonio to Austin. And Jean, being the kind of person she is, thought, I'm going to go to Austin, too. So she, I don't know if she did it by bus or how she did it probably, uh, but she, um, she packed up her kiddo and went to Austin and went to one of the nicer hotels there, the Stephen F. Austin Hotel. And Austin was a much smaller place then. So there were only so many really nice hotels there. Uh, but 
Um, Walter being someone I'm told who liked the finer things in life would not have stayed in a crummy hotel. And Jean went to the hotel and uh, inquired whether there was this Walter, I won't use the last name, Walter was there. And sure enough, he was there. Um, but he had registered with his wife. <clears throat> Ahem. Um, so, yeah. So Jean figured out, indeed, he was uh, having an affair with somebody. And that was the end of that. She would not tolerate that, um, nor would I. Uh, and she left. So they were divorced. And somehow, as part of this, I'm not clear on this part, but she ended up going back to Chicago because it's what she knew. And she had to make a living, um, you know, with her daughter. Um, and I'm going to assume that Walter was providing some support. I don't really know. I just know that Jean knew she had to make a living for her for her daughter. And she didn't have higher education. She didn't have a lot of options. Uh, what she did have was beauty. She was very pretty and, um, and presented herself very well. Um, what she didn't have was height. Um, and some people think that when she fell under the ice that day that something happened and it caused some kind of deformity. I don't know if that's true, but uh, she was only four foot 11. She wasn't even five feet tall. She was very, very petite. Um, so um, that notwithstanding, she decided that she wanted to work for Elizabeth Arden Cosmetics, selling cosmetics at one of the nicer department stores, probably Marshall Field, because that's you know the big venerable department store in Chicago at the time. Um, so she uh, dolled herself up and went to the hiring manager for Elizabeth Arden and said, I want to I want to sell Elizabeth Arden cosmetics. Now, she also knew with women, you know, not having as many options that she could make more money selling cosmetics and some other jobs that she would have. And it also gave her regular hours so she could take care of her daughter. Uh, and the hiring manager said, you're too short because of course they were looking for women who look like models who were not only pretty, but were like five feet eight and taller. And Jean being Jean said, I'll stand on a soapbox. And guess what? Elizabeth Arden hired Jean and Jean did work for them and do a very, very good job. So what happens next for Jean? I don't know what precipitated this thought in her head, but at one point, while she was still married, she had met her ex-husband's boss, who was quite wealthy and had moved to Florida um, and owned bottling companies. And I don't know how he came to own bottling companies, but that I'm told that he had made and lost fortunes and that the depression had, you know, hurt him terribly, but he went into the bottling business and was doing well. Um, and I guess Jean decided that selling cosmetics was not going to be enough and she wanted a better life. Um, and somehow she got in touch with this boss who was now divorced as well and got on a train and went to Florida with her daughter. And you can kind of guess what happens from here. She reconnected with this this man who was her ex-husband's boss. And then at some point, he moves to Southern California and she goes as well. They get on a train and go cross country, she and her daughter, to Southern California 
And yes, you can figure out the rest. She ends up marrying the bottler, who is 23 years older than her. Um, but now she's got everything she wants. They've got the big house. Um, her daughter has, you know, the means to go to any school she wishes to go to. Um, just a very different lifestyle from where Jean began. Um, and there are a lot of interesting stories which would take forever, but you get the idea that Jean just went after what she wanted because, again, if you go back to the day she almost drowned, she had a different philosophy about her life from that point on. And so she went after what she wanted. Now, what I'm told that I'm not as clear on is that after this husband passed, because he was considerably older, that she married a few more times because informally her motto became marry well and marry often. So not advice I would give to a woman today, but again, it was a different era. One of the things that that Jean did really well, just instinctively well, is that when she had money, she, you know, again, this is a woman with an eighth grade education, she put some away, and I don't mean like stuffed it under the mattress. She was smart and clever, and she would do things like buy pieces of property in California. Um, because she'd also been trained in the finer things in life, she would buy pieces of art. And when you visited her home, you never knew what was real and what was something she got at a thrift store or at a, you know, a common department store. Um, because there could be a vase that, you know, cost a few bucks, or it could be a vase that's worth, I don't know, $100,000. You just never knew with Jean. That's how she lived her life. She was very clever that way. And the thing is, that's how she took care of herself. Once she was finally no longer married, when she got into a pinch, she would sell a piece of land that she had bought a long time ago, and it would be worth a lot of money in Southern California, and she could live off that for many years. And so she lived in a lot of beautiful places in and around Santa Barbara, specifically Montecito, which is a very, very affluent area. Um, and she did, did quite well by herself. Um, and all because she just innately learned from the people she was around and, and you know, learned a little bit about things you can invest in, especially real estate, um, and learned how to make the most of that. And again, from somebody with very, very humble beginnings, this is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, the image that you will see if you go to my website, Human Turning Points, that's Jean on her boat called the Rendezvous. And you'll see her there, the petite woman that she is, that probably was taken sometime in the 1950s. I'm not sure. Um, but you can see she was with a bunch of good-looking men there. And the Rendezvous sailed around Hawaii. And over the course of her, mostly her younger years, but up until she was, you know, well into her 60s, she traveled everywhere. She went all over Europe. She went on fantastic cruises. She did some pretty amazing things for somebody with these very, very humble beginnings. Um, the other thing that was amazing about her was that she was very gifted artistically, but hadn't really pursued that. But in her 60s, in her 60s, she started painting these beautiful oil paintings, very elaborate paintings that looked like 
the gardens where she lived and she would paint whatever she was growing in her gardens in Southern California. And the paintings were absolutely phenomenal, like look like she had studied under the great masters. And it was just something she took up one day as a creative pursuit because that's the kind of person she was. Um, she, there's so many stories I could tell you about her, but she, you know, she had her insecurities too, and she had her issues. One of the things I know about Jean is that as her daughter grew up, her daughter was also very pretty and much taller than her. Um, and something happened. There was some jealousy or I don't know what happened. Some, something happened once her daughter reached her teenage years and Jean could be really cruel and harsh with her. And to some extent, Jean also visited that on her granddaughter when her granddaughter uh, got older and was, you know, a young, pretty woman. She did, she was pretty awful to her sometimes. She was strange. She would be very generous with her money and her time and her gifts and her love. And then other times she would be really awful. And again, people suspect that there maybe have been some brain injury at the time that she went under the ice, don't really know. It wasn't enough to, I mean, she was not disabled, um, but something may have happened. And I guess, you know, if there's a lesson in that, it's like even the best people, the best, the, the people with the, the most resources, the most gumption, the most whatever, they have their fallacies, right? Everybody does. We all do. Uh, and Jean certainly did, but she did also lead a really, really fascinating life. And I think if you're going to take anything from her story, it's that, you know, go back to that drowning and what happened that day. And from that day forward, she just said, nah, don't think I'll finish school. Eh, I think I'll go to Chicago. I think I'll do this. I think I'll work for Elizabeth Arden, even though people tell me I can't. I think I'll go marry this wealthy guy in Florida who doesn't really know I exist. I met him once, but I think I'm going to go meet this guy and, and I'm going to have a different life. And I'm going to travel the world and I'm going to have my own little fabulous sailboat. Uh, and I'm going to sail around Hawaii and I'm going to go on big cruise ships to Europe and I'm going to live the life I want to live. That's a pretty remarkable thing. Um, and I think the lesson in that is, you know, what could you do if you were not afraid? And you hear stories of other people in life who have been through horrendous things, scary, scary things. And once that's over, they live with a different kind of peace and they live with a different kind of courage. Most do. I mean, some people become more afraid, but, but other people live with a different sense of courage. And that is the way Jean lived her life. And she lived a very long life. She lived until she was 90 years old, or nearly 90 years old, um, about a month shy, I think. Um, sadly, in her last few years, she had dementia. And so she she sort of withered away because dementia is just, a, as you know, a terrible thing. But, but before that happened, she had lived quite a remarkable life. Um, and I've really only scratched the stories, uh, scratched the surface of the stories about Jean. But um, I hope you can take something from her attitude and how she behaved and how she carried herself uh, and how she fought for what she wanted because it's, it's actually pretty remarkable.
So uh, I guess this is at the point I should tell you that Jean was my grandmother and she was in my life until I was 32 years old. And like I said, she was not perfect. She, she had some issues, but don't we all? Um, but she also was remarkable and she learned to overcome a lot, a lot and lived a really incredible life. And I, when I look in the mirror, I see her. My mother and my grandmother and I look a whole lot alike, all three of us, but as I age, I look more like my grandmother. And I think that's in part because I have blonde hair and she always had white or blonde hair, but um, I think I, well, at least in her later years, she did. But I think I look more like her. The crinkles in my eyes and the way I smile and the way I laugh is a little bit more like her. Uh, and I have spent a lot of time overcoming fears in my life. And so I like to think that that fearless part of her, that brave part of her resides within me. And if you take nothing from the story, take that fearlessness with you, that no matter what, you can overcome things. You can have the life you want. You can overcome really terrible things and you can choose a couple of paths. You can wither and be afraid and never leave your home and never go out into the sunlight. Or you can do the opposite. You can, you can go grab everything you can out of this life and wring every ounce out of it that you possibly can. And that really is the way that she lived her life. It was really quite remarkable. Um, she is uh, laid to rest in Santa Barbara, California, in a mausoleum there. And uh, it's been a while since I visited, so I may go out and, and see her and uh, go stand by the ocean and, and think of her because that's when I often think of her is when I'm in that area. I spend time on the beach and I think of my grandmother because she loved sailing, loved being on the water, even after what she'd been through, even after nearly drowning, she loved being on the water. So I hope you found something interesting in this story and I hope you are gonna tell me about your own human turning points. I really do wanna hear from you. So again, if you wanna see a picture of Jean on her boat, The Rendezvous, you can go to my website, humanturningpoints.com, and her picture is there under the podcasts uh, section. And um, there's also a place where you can connect with me and let me know that you want to tell me something interesting that we can share with our viewers. Tell me about your own human turning point. So until then, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be in touch again soon.